0: we Welcome to another edition of the Engineering Leadership Podcast, where we bring together successful C-Suite executives to explore their stories at the intersection of leadership and engineering. We believe leaders are built, not born. And by nailing the constants, we can build strong, engineering-focused leaders who are prepared for future success. Each interview was led by Doug Hawk, chemical engineer, business executive, and the creator of Engineering Leadership. I'm Ben Fanning. Let's get started. Today's episode, we have Ed Rose, who is the CEO of Mason Industrial Technology, a mergers and acquisitions and growth company, specialing in the advanced materials and specialty chemicals industry. He is passionate about turning customers' complex challenges into possibilities. Ed obtained his bachelor's degree in civil engineering, and he chose the topic of agile. Here's a three-bullet summary. Being able to look ahead to the future and plan accordingly is part of being agile. Avoid overanalyzing things. This will help you move more quickly. And then, if you're not failing, you're not moving forward. Enjoy today's episode.
1: Hello, I'm Doug Hawk, uh, Clemson Chemical Engineering alumni and your host for Engineering Leadership, uh, where we bring together great successful Clemson C-suite executives and engineers who have made the transition from engineering to leadership, and where they help us cover the topics and discussions around our belief that leaders are built, not born. And by nailing the constants of leadership, we can build strong engineering-focused leaders who are prepared for future success. Joining me today is Ed Rose, CEO of Mason Industrial Technology, a mergers and acquisitions and growth company. Specializing in the advanced materials and specialty chemical industries, Ed obtained his bachelor's degree in civil engineering from Clemson. And for us today, he chose the topic of agile. So, welcome, Ed. Thanks for doing this for us. Thanks, Doug. Glad to be here. Look forward to the conversation. So, let's just start with our. Let's start with the constant there. So, reading your background and, and the uh, some of the amazing transitions or pivots you've made, as people call them today, in in uh, in industry. Um, clearly have demonstrated great agility. Uh, How's how's that played an important role in your career and and your perspectives on business?
2: Sure. Yeah, it's a great, great question. You know, I think, um, you know, being agile is uh, in today's world certainly is uh, important. I think uh, as I went through working for a big corporation Uh it it it, kind of came about over time and I only look backwards and say, boy, that was important. I was I was willing to do anything for anybody. I just wanted to be the best at what I did. So uh as new opportunities came along, uh giving those a shot, not sure whether I would be successful or not. Uh and then uh, you know, it's times uh facing a little diversity, failure, but uh, it's not really kind of what happens, it's how you respond. So I think agile describes uh, the ability to respond to any situation. So again, throughout a career, um, you know it's it's critically important because things don't always go right. And uh, as long as you have your head up, looking uh, looking forward, uh, I think it said the uh, windshield of a car is big and uh, you can see forward. Uh, a rearview mirror is very small. You see a little bit behind you, and you spend most of your time looking forward. So
1: I think agile helps describe. Uh, you know, kind of, kind of that metaphor. That's great. Well, you mentioned, you know, sort of during times of of difficulty and failure, obviously, I think it's absolutely essential. What about, you know, I have one of the, one of the statements I make to sort of my crew here is, and uh, you know, one of the most dangerous statements I hear people make is, Hey, we've always done it this way, you know, and um, when you're having success and things are good, Um. It's, it seems much more difficult to you know, sort of make those kind of adjustments and you know, disrupt yourself versus right. you know, the market does it to you. How, how, does, a, how does your mindset on agility play, play an important role there? Because you've driven your businesses forward proactively, right, versus just reacting to market conditions.
2: Yeah, again, you know, I think the, unfortunately, at times, the engineering training in us gets us a little, a little bit head down, execute, do the job. So the real trick is uh, what you've talked about, which is uh, don't let good be the enemy of great, right? I didn't I didn't come up with that. That's a, <laughs> a great right. business business book. But um, you, you know, at the end of the day, I think we want uh, our leaders to be technically curious or curious market curious. So there's always a what, what if we did that differently, and it is hard when things are going good because the focus is on execution. Um, but again, I, I think uh, one thing I, I focus on is, uh, you know, looking ahead five years, working backwards, trying to figure out, like, wh- where should this business be? Where should this operation be? And, and uh, you know, what do we need to do to, to, to do that? And, and, and doing that, uh, you know, requires some creativity and agility to go out and uh, be willing to put some bets on some new uh, new areas new technologies and they're not always going to be right um as i've run organizations we're always looking for some failures i always like to tell people that if they aren't failing enough they're not pushing ahead fast or big enough if if we're comfortably meeting all of our goals uh, our goals are nowhere near high enough so again i, I think uh Agility, goal setting—that kind of all goes together. But uh, ultimately, it's kind of looking ahead to the future and uh, you know, figuring out what you want to be.
1: Yeah. Uh, It's—I uh, think one of the one of the things we talk about, or we we try to convey, because again, as you mentioned, particularly with engineers, from a leadership standpoint, not getting caught up in being consumed with execution and and focused on just, you know, the tactical details of getting answers and driving data. Um, What about the role of the, of, of, because we talk about seeing over the horizon is what I call it and really having that view, like you said, through the windshield, not the rear view mirror Mm -hmm. and not just looking at, you know, what's straight ahead, but trying to see and predict what's over the horizon that you can't quite see yet, but you've got this, Awareness that it's coming because you've been scanning the market, you've been taking in you know lots of different sources of information and data, um, and particularly from a leadership standpoint because so much of your team is tied up with execution, right? Necessarily so. I mean, there's a big, there's lots of stuff to do. There's things that have to get done um, to execute the business you're in. Um, what, how, how do you think about finding the time to do that? Fitting it in, not being consumed with booking meetings, you know, eight to eight, and just you know, constantly being caught up in the in the execution and daily activities, particularly as a leader, because just time on calendar becomes so precious. Making the space to sort of find that that view out there. Yeah, it's a great uh, great question. Again, you
2: you you kind of term it uh, around or over the horizon. I do uh, you know looking around the corners, right? Ultimately, the the metaphor gets you to, you can't exactly see what it is, but you're pretty sure there's something else you should be doing. And I, I think as a leader, again, you may not be the best at it yourself, but you need to bring people in your organization that are that way. Again, I I at times can find myself being, uh, you know, very thoughtful about what could be. And other times I need uh, to rely on other people within the organization that are really where their job is set up so that they are definitely isolated from the execution role and, and they are more on the imagine, create role. And, and to be honest, their personality style kind of fits fits to that. I, I read uh, many, many years ago, there was, a, I think, a Dow Chemical article about you, you know the ways of thinking and the way the mind works and just how people are you know, at times wired differently. So, and that's okay. It's just, you need to use that, know what you have, know what you don't have, and and then uh, complement your skills with other people's skills that really, really fit. Our, our best market developments uh, in our chemicals business, you know, were made by people that really just think outside the box and, and much further than I can think, to be honest. So my, my, my role was to make sure those people were there and, uh, you know, they had the time and the ability to build uh, some really interesting new businesses. Uh, conversely, some of the folks that love execution, you know, we want them doing execution, right? So, so it's really kind of tapping someone's ability. But as a leader, I think knowing, um, you know, what you're good at and what you need to complement your skills, but, but clearly looking ahead, looking around the corners is something a leader, you know, has to do and, and has to dedicate the, dedicate the time to that. I guess one other concept on that that I'll uh, maybe comment on, there's a, a book called Blink written by uh, Malcolm Gladwell. And, and and that's a great, uh, again, I'm a strong believer in you, your instincts are much better than you think because they probably come through many years of working and your, your, your team's instincts are probably better than they think. And uh, so while I am an engineer, I, I don't overanalyze things. I move pretty quickly. I like to, like to tell organization, I want about 70% of the data and then I want to move, right? I don't want 95% of the data. Do, doesn't, doesn't relate to safety or compliance, but it relates right. to markets right. and engineering you know, projects, case studies, let, you know, let, let, let's get it. So uh, again, if you're gonna be fast and agile, you know, you you got to take some risk into the unknown without having all the facts. And again, for engineers, those of us
1: that are <laughs> engineers, it, it's, it's a little counterintuitive. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think, I think the, other, the other thing from an engineering perspective and having that technical perspective on what's possible also makes one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is, is in terms of the transitions you were able to lead the companies through new products you guys were able to invent. Um, you know, and I go back to sort of the, the Steve Jobs moment where hmm. if you went and asked customers, do they want one of these? No one would have been able to give you a good answer because they don't have a frame of reference, right? The, That's right. Context of what's possible. So how much, how do you see the role of your, you know, your technical competency and perspectives combined with that market insight that does it give you a way to see Sort of around that corner in a way that is is thoughtful about customer expectations and and needs and you know because there's the old the old adage of well just go ask your customers and they'll tell you. I've certainly I've been a big proponent. That's not really true. I don't think they know because they don't have the perspective of what's possible.
2: Yeah, they. they, You're exactly right. They 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 don't know if they did it'd be easy to invent new products and in new markets. And it's very hard of of things I've done. Uh, creating new businesses, you know, is absolutely the hardest, and it's, uh, you know, it's a, uh, it's often long and challenging. And when it works out right, it's, you know, the best best thing in the world. I'll give a real world example of a, a product development that, you know, was exactly as you describe it. Um, business that we ran was a specialty chemicals operation about a billion dollars in size and we were looking to expand one of our construction chemicals businesses so uh it's a business that engineers civil engineers can relate to probably the traveling public can relate to it's paving asphalt okay and when you when you pave a road uh what what do you do to lay asphalt you heat it up um what, what do you then do for it to be ready to drive on you wait for it to cool down Okay, well, you, you think about that process and you go, well, uh, I've got to use a lot of energy. I've got to lose time. I might emit some pollution. Is there a better way? And uh, while paving has been done the same way for, pick a number, 50 years, 75 years, right? no one had created something uh, instead of hot mix asphalt called warm mix asphalt, which is paving at lower temperatures. So. We had a construction chems group. Uh, States are very particular on changing anything. You you probably know that in your business. Um, We ended up coming up with an additive uh, that could pave hundred degrees cooler. Instead of paving at 320 degrees, you paved at 200 degrees. That was a big deal. Uh, No, no customer told us that's what they wanted because they couldn't even conceive that. Uh, we, We took a, we, we, we took a group of about five very creative people in a product development group and set them aside and made sure they didn't have a day job on creation. And they worked on that for about five years. Uh, and uh, so, you, you know, it, it's it's really, uh, again, incumbent upon the leadership to decide there are probably better ways of, of doing some process. You don't know how to get there, but you probably know that You know, trusting your people and empowering them to go out and create some new things to to do that. And and today, it's a it it went from a zero sales market to a hundred million dollar market as a sub business. You know, again, it took ten years, but uh, uh, there's no reason it can't be two hundred or three hundred million in uh, in in sales. So it's a it's a market creation and it's it's exciting stuff, but it's hard hard stuff, no doubt. Yeah, that's
1: awesome. What about the and you mentioned the people that you set aside, is there a, you know, from a, from creating the organizational agility, right? Is there a, is there a leadership approach that, that has been helpful to you in terms of overcoming that risk of in in the businesses I've run, one of the, one of the hardest things is to disrupt the business that's working. Right. So you, you know, because people feel threatened, they're like, well, we already, And we sell this much of this, the customer likes it, it's on spec, just grind that out. Why take the risk of inventing something new that could sort of perhaps make what I'm already doing less value? Yeah. Is there, you know, how, how do you, how have you approached that to to find the way through that sort of doubt and, and sort of anxiousness amongst the team?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, again, I think it goes back to the type of people that you've, uh, got got working on some of these projects that again you trust them enough to to create to create something and sometimes it's not right. I, I think um, t- today too many people I don't know whether it's our culture or it's always been that way or you're pre wired you just hate to fail right. So some people again want to only incrementally innovate or incrementally change. Uh, so that they don't dare fail, and right. I think I think what I saw and what I challenged people to to do, especially uh, you know our engineers, scientists, chemists, is I, I actually set a number that I wanted a certain number of failures per year, and and that that made people. I, I really wasn't looking for so many failures per year, but I at least wanted one, right? right. Because when I started looking into like product market development and what you need to be really growing it, it was uh, it, it was changing the customer doesn't know what they need so let's uh, you know create some demand and uh, if you're not failing you're not really moving forward so um, in any event ultimately uh, you know product development I think uh, got more comfortable with taking some chances on some things that might not work, that might disrupt the current business. But uh, again, the right people, the right leadership, the right uh, oversight, you, you know, we will get you there. Again, I think the number one issue people get need to get their head around is they don't need 100% of the data or 99% of the data to get it right. And that failing, that, that, in a business people know which customers they can fail with they know which markets they can fail with and expect some of that and if you're not getting some of that that means you're not
1: you know really pushing the envelope of growth so I guess the other those are great points I think the the other thing I that struck me in you know reading up on your background is and, and I I don't meet many executives that have, sort of done both sides of, you know, entrepreneurial startup, new businesses, and also, you know, large, integrated, publicly traded, you know, corporations, right. And, and I think, I think one of the things that I wanted to talk about with you a little bit today about that is, you know, our audiences, young engineers, students, folks that are at the earlier parts of their journeys than we find ourselves. And, and to me, it's important to sort of provide examples like that to folks to say, look, you're, you know, there's not one way to do this. And uh, you know, when we talk about agility, it's not just in business execution or strategy, but in sort of personal development and, and how you position yourself for success and the opportunities that you look at. Um, any thoughts on sort of how did you, how did you approach that? Cause I feel like people feel like that when they make a choice, like, well, you know, I'm not a startup guy, I'm a, I'm a corporate guy or. Yeah. Um, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm not a corporate guy. I'm like, you know, there's great work at both ends of the spectrum from my perspective. Yeah, no, that's a great,
2: great point. And uh, again, my my wife and I work with a lot of students and one thing we find most common is uh, early, uh, you know, early career, you know, going from student to first job always want to link the degree with a job. Right. And, and that's, a, that's okay to start with. And it is a job, but, you know, the continuum of, of life is a, is a career, right. Which spans, uh, you know, 30 plus years potentially. And uh, you know, there, there are a lot of twists and turns and, and you uh, really only discover what's out there by doing stuff and finding out, uh, I'm sure as you've done, you find out what you like, what you don't like. Uh, again, I, graduated in 84, civil engineer, uh, planned to be, uh, uh, I like the allure of big projects, big, big, uh, you know, big, big, uh, multi, uh, dimensional projects where you're building huge buildings and maybe managing the project that that looked exciting to me. Uh, I ended up getting a job with a chemical and packaging paper company. And before long, I was a chemical guy, uh, (laughs) and worked, uh, you know, for a year or two on the manufacturing and tech side and said, you know, I see these guys out here that are called sales reps and they do something very interesting. It's a kind of a technology sell. And I was like, I'm gonna try that. And so sure enough, uh, two years into my career, I changed from tech guy to sales guy. Uh, I went from the East coast out to Texas and spent six years selling. And I didn't, when I graduated from Clemson, I didn't know what selling was. I thought people got trained in selling. I didn't know I was a salesman. And uh, before long, I was meeting with people, talking about the product, asking them questions, providing follow-up. And uh, they said, well, you're a pretty good salesman. I was like, "Hmm, well, that's that's interesting. I didn't really know what one was. Uh, And, uh, you know, so, you know, fast forward, that's a Long corporate career with lots of uh, opportunities and you know, product uh, product management and, and business management and uh, you know then uh, keep keep going a few mergers later all of a sudden uh, you know the decision's made that uh, I'm going to leave the corporation and work on a startup private equity more of a financial investing business uh, just because it seemed interesting to me at the time right so it's it's always uh, a little bit time specific and the way if you're always got your head up looking at opportunities and you're not afraid to try something new, then, you know, you try something new. So, yes, yeah, so I, I guess I do get labeled as agile going from a 30 year corporate guy to a private equity startup where for those that don't know, you know, private equity firms, uh, in this case, work in a certain vertical. We work in industrials. So we buy industrial companies. Uh, and, uh, our job is to buy them, make them better, build them, and then sell them again to someone else. And, uh, again, it's a very, uh, interesting business. Uh, it's challenging. It's much different than a corporate business, but, uh, it, I guess it does, you know, demonstrate the point that, you know, a civil engineer from Clemson ending up spending most of his time, you know, as an investor, it, it, it wasn't, wasn't figured out, you know, in, in 1984 when I graduated even though all the kids we talked to today that are students going to their career thinking, does my degree link to the job I want, which is a, you know, a first step, but
1: there's a lot, 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 longer than that. You know that as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, probably one of the biggest variables in that is what do you want? Right. Which will change, you know, I think as, as life unfurls, you know, yeah. it's it's, uh, it's different along the way. Um, you know, one of the things I always like to ask is that sort of ties some of these episodes together. Is you know, when was there a moment um, in that journey for you where you know you 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 made that pivot, if you would, or that transition from, hey, I'm either the tech guy or the sales guy or or you know, the guy or doing the work, um, to, hey, I I think I really want to work on this leadership thing and. Still wanna, you know, always want to contribute technically where you can, but realizing, and for me it was a and I think for many of us it was a it's a crystallized moment in time, right? For me, it was a particular evening on the stoop of my house after the after one of those days of failure, not success, where it was like, hey, if I'm gonna figure this out, I can't outwork it, I can't grind it out, I can't just find the answer myself. It's gonna take a whole team, it's gonna take, you know sort of removing myself from that thinking and and thinking about the team first. Um, Was there a a moment for you similarly along the journey that you're on? Yeah, I don't know if there was any singular moment, Doug,
2: but it was more observing. I always like to observe people and try to see, you know, what their style was and what worked and didn't. And throughout my corporate career, I would see some really good leaders, what I thought were good leaders, which you know meant meant they uh you know they were humble they had a you know strong uh work ethic uh collaborative communicative i mean all, all those things and i watched them and said okay yeah i see, i see how they work i see how they drive this organization people respond well and then conversely i watched other people that really seemed to do it pretty poorly and got pretty <laughs> Myself respond. Sometimes I work for them, and I, I tell young people in their career: look at both great what you think is the great leader you want to emulate, and the one that you don't ever want to be like. Because the one you don't ever want to be like, you want to make sure you understand that, that. Look at the effect on the organization. Look at the effect on you. So I think it was really just a evolution of time of watching people. Again, I like to study study people, and uh, again, it was different. Uh, for me, and I, would, you know, it would have been nice. Uh, again, I'm glad we're having the, the, these series and these conversations because it w- would have been nice to have uh, a little more forethought earlier on, uh, yeah. and, and then I would have known kind of like what are the milestones, what are the markers I'm looking for, rather than kind of slowly evolve over time. Eventually, by the time I got to the, you know, two thirds of my career, I decided I really like the market and growing markets. And I liked uh, the organization and trying to figure out how do I get, you know, more out of people than they think is even possible, right? How do I get a hundred? If I get 120% out of this organization and we previously only got 75, you know, that's tremendous amount of forward motion. So it kind of got this fixation that I got on, you know, how, how do you run, you know, the most engaged culture you can you know, in, in whatever the business is. And, and if you do, then it all is pretty fun to watch, right? It's some of the best stuff, as you, as you know, and the reason we're t- talking about this, this is the most important stuff and
1: it's uh, fun when it works out. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm with you. I mean, our, our big part of our mission and why I wanted to do this is, you know, because I didn't I never, I didn't have access to it, you know, and, and we were, it was, and, and I think, I, I'm hopeful that as we continue to, evolve the engineering curriculum, right? We can find more space for this kind of development because it's pretty much everybody that's done these episodes with us and talked about the framework itself and just leadership in general. You know, we all feel like we walked off of Clemson campus with all the technical skills we needed, you know, well, well healed and 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 well prepared. Um, and again, particularly we're matching that job to your degree and you know all those things. Um, but I didn't I didn't start thinking about leadership till several years later and, I, and at that time it was all you know how many books can I read what can I who can I emulate I had some tremendous mentors obviously yep. early in my life that helped helped immeasurably um, but it was pretty happenstance to some degree right So mm-hmm. that's yep. part of what part of what drove me to try and help with this is can we systematize it and you know just make it like the other parts of our curriculum where, Hey, this is, you can learn this and there's certain things you have to master and it does take work. Um, some of the hardest work you'll ever do because it's, it's tearing yourself down at some level and building that self-awareness and, and perspective of, you know, facing your own deficiencies and failures at times with, you know, with confidence and excitement about getting through those versus fear of, Oh, I might, I might fail. Right. Um, so that's, you know, and that's, that's a different kind of challenge for folks than, you know, mastering uh, you know chemistry or differential equations or, you know, statics or whatever whatever technical you know agenda. Yeah. You're- and I, I yeah, again I would gladly tell uh, you
2: know any any student listening uh, that uh, you know they can give up a give up a tenth or two on their grade point average to put more thoughtfulness into their career, their leadership skills, and again more we can provide people. And again, some people l- love the thought of being a leader, and some may not have it defined. Everybody can get better, uh, and then there are some that you know may not uh, may not enjoy it at all, right? And they may be an individual contributor, and that's perfectly fine. There are some great uh, individual contributors that do awesome jobs, and uh, and and that's fine. But but leadership skills clearly uh when brought to people's attention it it hones their ability to perform and again i've seen some you know great leadership builds over the years as i'm sure you have where it's it's just uh the light goes on and then it happens but you know it's like why didn't it happen five years earlier
1: you know yeah no and and i tell folks too i mean it's not about um necessarily having to be the president of your company or you know just a leader in business i mean I think the, the, the skills and perspectives and, uh, you know, habits and that we that we work on here, you know, can be in your family. It can be in your community. Um, you know, there's lots of places to lead. It can be with your children. Um, I just feel like the more we work on these things, you know, we're just better humans. That's right. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And sometimes the word leadership
2: means I am the top of the food chain. Everybody listens to me, and it's really the influencing skills that you're talking about. Where you know can can I help people in in a way that they don't quite see, but I I can see that I can help lead them, which will make the outcome better of whatever you know whatever it is, whether it's a you know social issue or a community issue or a business issue. That it is all. It, it is all the same, and uh, kind of once you get the leadership bug, it's it's hard to, you know, walk away from it and go, you know, this, this could be better if we we had a little
1: diff, different uh, way of thinking about it. Right. Well, you mentioned you know, giving up a few points of grade point average for sort of more experiential uh, components and working on these topics. Now I know you've been really engaged in the community and 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 lots of different parts of of just your whether it's United Way or other activities. I mean, how, how important have you found that to be in that, you know, on that leadership journey, just getting those perspectives in addition to, you know, all the interactions and exposure you have professionally and at work? Um, how, what, what advice would you give for making sure folks find that time? Yeah, I
2: think, um, I think students coming out today have a little bit more well-rounded perspective potentially than maybe we did, or I did at my time, because certainly it was, my job was to, you know, graduate in four years, get the highest grade point average, and then go do the job that I just graduated in. And and not much else mattered at that point in time, right? Now, Now it's a little bit more of what's my work-life balance? How do I give back to the community? And those are things that I figured out later in life were very rewarding. So, you know, whether it's uh, United way or uh, a group uh, called Metanoia down here in Charleston that we work with um, or Clemson work at work at Clemson across a number of areas uh, again, become very interesting to be able to contribute and, and be able to, help people. So I I I think today's students and, and uh uh Dean Dean Anan is, is very good at uh again talking about you know he wants the well-rounded engineer right which again that wasn't talked about back in 1984 they 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 wanted you to be a smarter technical engineer right they didn't care that you had traveled to Haiti or you Took up the violin, or you know, any of those things, right? That just wasn't part of the conversation. So I think it's, uh, I think it's better today, and uh, and it'll help help people a little earlier. So so that one I think is probably trending the right way. But but definitely, uh, more broad thinking is uh, extremely valuable, you know, to your life in
1: general, but certainly your work work life, right? Right. Uh, absolutely. Um, you mentioned seeing like seeing things in your people and spotting opportunities and potential in them that they don't always see in themselves. I mean is there a is there a particular trait for leadership development that you you know you see early and often that you've zeroed in on over the years or is it is it really a broad-based perspective just depends on the people?
2: Yeah, I mean uh, again, I think uh, you're taking a big step here, a good good step in trying to define, you know, some of the constants that need to be true to to be a leadership. Cause some people have trouble defining what that means, but you know, a lot of times you you instinctfully know it when you, when you see it, you see people step, step forward. So, you know, I I mean, at times uh, you know, people that uh, like to put themselves out there, and are not afraid to step forward when when everybody else steps back you, you kind of see that early on uh that that, that they have some leadership uh, abilities uh again you may it may uh, manifest itself in some level of extroversion instead of introversion right they, they may uh you know they may just get excitement and energy by trying to help uh, solve a problem with leading a team and Again, sometimes that happens in very informal settings, but you but you see someone that wants to wants to step forward and 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 again not take the credit themselves, but be a leader to actually you know bring bring the team forward. And, and again, I've as you've been around a lot of lot of leaders, and uh, you know in some some cases it's for the right reasons, in some cases you know maybe not where, where they they really you know are looking to take the credit we're, we're, we're not looking for those kind of leaders right we're not we're looking right. for people that like, again have that uh, you know aspiration to really get the, again I describe it best as if, if if I can get more out of people they even can conceive that they can do then, then I've done a pretty good job of bringing them you know along in kind
1: of the, in the world of leadership no, that's great um, you mentioned Gladwell's uh, book blink you know, I've I've read all his. I love his stuff. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think Outliers is probably my favorite. It's it's been the one that's stuck. I don't for I don't know if it's my favorite or just the like the the insights in there stuck with me the longest. I think. Yeah. But, um, any other recommended readings for our folks in terms of you know it doesn't have to just be leadership topics, but just great insights that you found in, in books you've enjoyed. Yeah. Again,
2: I you know I, I, I'm not uh, you know. Uh, I'll say this. Hope I don't offend anybody. But you know, as an as an engineer, I'm not the most well read guy out there, right? I don't I don't read novels like my my wife does or <laughs> like some of my kids do, but but I do read a lot of business books, and, and uh, you know, th- 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 there's an endless supply of business books, right? Uh, from you know, management, leadership, product development. Just they go on and on. But um, one that uh, interest me uh, again it re- relates to a little bit of that looking around the corners it's called blue ocean strategy yeah and uh, blue ocean strategy concept is um, y- y- you know that's blue ocean meaning fresh new different nobody's there versus the red ocean where everybody's fishing and it's bloodied up by lots of competitors and so the the I guess again in the metaphor Uh, point of view here is it's uh how do you look for the blue ocean to go fishing instead of in the red ocean right and and a lot of people again um sometimes technically trained don't think quite broadly enough and uh think of all the possibilities so blue ocean strategy kind of gets you uh uh, we used to have a uh You know, I won't call it book of the month club, but you know, something where we had you know top thirty managers and have a book reading, and then we'd have people parse it. And this was one of the books that got a lot of excitement, I think, just because people it made people, especially in bigger companies, think try to think a little differently. Like, are we are we just fishing in the red ocean here, and everybody else is here, and we're just trying to grind it out, or is there a blue ocean thought here or not? so that's a that's a book uh, that I think is worth worth looking at
1: amongst yeah. many books. Well, it speaks to our topic well, right? Because that you know having that agility to sort of make those kinds of moves versus some of the other tendencies of just grinding it out you know with what you know right is is certainly takes a bit of a bit of agile thinking to. And make those changes.
2: Yeah. And there are plenty of people within a company that their job is to execute and their job is to grind it out. So there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, you know, uh, in running a business like you do, or like uh, I, I do, uh, it, it's, it's, how do you do both? Right. And that, that's the, I think the trick to being a good leader is being able to manage a lot of things at once. Again, the word agile will keep using during the session, but you know, how, how do you Grind it out, execute, do all that well, while at the same time trying something totally new, uh, and and run all that play at the same time, and make it look well orchestrated. That's the that's the trick. So yeah, and and, and so I enjoy doing that. Right? That's kind of gets me excited. Doesn't matter. I'm as excited doing what I'm doing today at uh, you know nearing the end of my career as I was you know taking my first job. Right? And if that's the case, then you know, then you're, you're trying new and different
1: things. Yeah, that's certainly well said. Um, I know we're running up on our time, but sure. I always like to, you know, end if we can on, is there, was there a, what's the most, is there a most important, I mean, I know we have so many lessons and sort of learnings that we go through in our, in our careers, but is there any, any one thing you'd like to leave the audience with of, you know, the most important lesson you had from a leadership standpoint?
2: Yeah, I think, um, I think you have to trust your, your instincts. You, 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 again, I'm going to go back to who we're talking to, which are technically trained engineers that get very smart and very uh, systematic about the way of thinking. And that, 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 that way of uh, thinking is very valuable throughout your career. Life, uh, I, I re- really like it. My son's a mechanical engineer, and uh, he's learning kind of the same. He kind of had some of the same traits of really liking the training and uh, you know working in a facility and creating projects. But when it comes to making decisions, it's it's rarely often that uh, sorry, it's it's very very infrequent that. If you just line the data up, it'll tell you exactly what to do, right? It just doesn't work that way. And I think some people think that if you put enough spreadsheet columns and rows together, you can somehow come up with an answer. And I can tell everybody that that's not the way that, again, I've been most, most successful. We, we built a company that was $40 million of EBITDA, meaning earnings within a big corporation. We eventually split it off uh it last year it had 400 million you know worth four billion dollars uh and it uh, you know came out of uh you know very creative instinctual thinking of uh you know a committed team and group that uh, again went with their instincts and uh again built a built a great business yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah value the numbers but be able to look past them
2: right absolutely um, absolutely you, you you know it you do the same thing so uh, but but yeah it's been, been great to connect here and uh, again hopefully we provide some insights and
1: glad to follow up as needed great i really appreciate it thank you yeah.
0: super thanks doug Engineering Leadership is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping engineers enhance their leadership skills. You can download resources to accelerate your leadership skills by going to www.engineering-leadership.com.